1: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. It's a good day, Tim. It's Friday. Everybody loves a Friday. September, September 9th. Beautiful day here in Michigan. Absolutely gorgeous. I'm talking 75 and sunny. It's going to be a great weekend. My Buffalo Bills just basically won the Super Bowl last night to kick off the NFL season for Thursday Night Football. Completely... Taking the LA Rams behind the woodshed and showing them who the big brother is and just a statement game. If there ever was a statement game in the NFL. I don't know how you can call it anything but just Josh Allen saying, I'm the MVP, gonna win the Super Bowl. No one's going to be able to stop us. That was a beautiful thing last night. Then we come into work today. I look at the agenda, and Tim's got an apology for everybody. It's unbelievable. It's it's a great day. It's very rare everybody when tim humbles himself to apologize he's wrong all the time all the time on a lot of things but he'll never own up to it once and for all someone called him out on his bs and you now have the floor tim
0: yeah i get called out fairly often for my bs and you know you when you have a podcast, the main goal is to educate and inform and entertain, and you try to build some some trust and credibility with your audience, and I feel like we've let them down recently. You had to apologize last episode. Now it's my turn. In the last week or la- our earlier episode, we talked about gardening and peppers, and I said that red, orange, green, and yellow peppers were all the same plants that were harvested at different times in their life cycle, and that's why they had different colors, Turns out that was incorrect. Someone shared an article with me, and here's here's what happened. Last year, someone made like a TikTok or a Twitter video or something that went viral that explained that, and everyone believed it and said, "Oh my god, you blow my mind! Can't believe it!" Whatever, and I fell for it. I got suckered. I did no further research, and then I went on my podcast and talked about it as if it was a fact. And so, you know what? We're gonna take. We're gonna do a little internal digging. We're gonna we're gonna figure this out. Come back next week, better, stronger. Smarter, but I do apologize for anyone that I've I've upset about this whole pepper thing. I probably
1: was upset more than anybody because I was sitting here looking at you and I'm like, you're wrong. And you're just like, no, it's true. Like, all right, I guess, I guess you're right. I'm glad you're wrong because that didn't make sense. It didn't make
0: sense. So so
1: color wise, they go from red to green to yellow all in one season. It vibrant be red, vibrant, green, vibrant, yellow
0: think of a, a banana that's right. The, it's green and then yellow and then brown. That's like what I thought. It was like starts green and then it turns more yellow into orange and red is that like the most ripe, and then yeah, I didn't think too hard about it. It, it makes sense if you tell you like tell your kid they'd probably believe you like it it, seems, it follows logic, but you know, my, I kids didn't it. my kids believe a lot of things.
1: My kids believe a lot of things, so yeah, that can't be your main argument. No, my kids, Ugh. you kids will believe me. Okay, creep. Yeah, no thanks. All right. Well, that was nice, Tim. That was good. I'm glad you addressed that. I saw another apology on the agenda. And my first instance, my thought was like, did I say something wrong? And my second <laughs> thought was like, I ain't going to apologize for that. I'm just tired. (laughs) Like, I'm tired of it. I I make a a couple mistakes here and there, and I'm just, like, roasted people. This happened. This happened. Uh, Nobody's perfect. You know, do our best. Sometimes we're just talking, and then, you know, you make a mistake here and there. Whatever. So I'm glad it was you, because I was going to dig my heels and, like, screw this. I'm not apologizing for anything anymore. Unless it's a flagrant where I'm, like, really wrong. But... Yes, Shea Weber was captain for a season. Two
0: seasons, I love Yeah, God. it'll be like, oh, Brendan Gallagher signed for four more years, someone will come in. He signed for five more years. You guys are morons. I can't <laughs> do your research. Do some research before you turn on the mic. Just like, we guys, do let's... a lot
1: of research, everybody. Just relax. Well, speaking of those Montreal Canadiens, we'll transition into the show here. Their future captain in my eyes – He's a mountain of a man, Tim. He's a mountain of a man. He's six foot six. He stood six foot. My um, I wanted this. I I did this in the minor leagues. Whenever I would get into a fight, they would play Big John, and I wanted it to carry over to the NHL. But we didn't quite get it set up for whatever reason. I don't know if they didn't want to do it or what. You know that song? I don't know who's singing. Big John, Big Bad John. You ever heard that song? There's a song. It's called Big John, Big Bad John. I can't remember who sang it, but it it literally goes, he stood six foot six and weighed 245. And it was a perfect song for me because I was a little bit taller, but around that weight. Anyways, Kirby Doc gets traded to Montreal this year from the Chicago Blackhawks, signs a deal. Four years, 3.3625 to be exact. We did our research per year. Wrapped up in Montreal now for four years. Interesting kind of deal. We're used to these albatross types deals, these young players coming in. We'll talk about a couple in a later on in the show, but we're we're staying with Kirby now. Been in the league three years, playing for a Chicago team that wasn't, you know, it's it's hard to describe the Chicago team for the last three years. Lots of expectations, not a lot of output. Kirby up and down came in, played well in that one playoff rounds in the bubble. He Turned some heads last year, maybe didn't progress like everybody thought he would. It's a lot of potential, maybe not playing with the line mates, the type of caliber of player he's hoping to be. He's, I don't know. There's still a lot of unanswered questions with Kirby doc, but when you look at him, when you look at the intangibles, when you look at the tangibles, he has everything. He has the height. He has the hands. He has the speed. Now it's, up to him to kind of translate that into NHL success. So all that being said, four years, we'll call it $3.4 million. Good deal, bad deal. Who wins this? What did you think of the deal when it came down the pipeline, Tim?
0: I was a little surprised at first. I thought, well, it was a little bit of an overpayment. I would have thought that they would have wanted to lock him up for more. I'm sure he thought he thinks he's worth this money. And then as I spent more time thinking about it, it's like, okay, he's averaging so far. About 32 points in an 82-game season across three years, which aren't huge numbers, obviously. But again, you're talking about a kid who's adjusting to the NHL who had a major injury in that span, who was on a really bad team and never really got consistent line mates and the ability to develop some confidence and um, chemistry and all that. And so when you've got the, the pedigree that he's coming from, his size, his skill, third overall draft pick, I think, and then you – give him an opportunity with a fresh start it's like okay this could be something real and if he if he produces you know at a it takes a a good step for him would be like 40 to 50 points like a big step forward um and if he does that and he kind of improves every single year then he's going to be worth this money but same time you got to think about like the canadian fan base and the montreal media like if he doesn't produce they're going to eviscerate him they're going to tear him apart it's just—it's just the city that is gonna just rip him up if he's—he's just—he's got to produce now. He's got—he's got to show something.
1: Yeah, I don't know if there is that amount of pressure as you're putting on him. I don't—he's—he's I, he's nowhere near the highest paid player on his team. He's nowhere near the highest paid forward on his team. You still got these are the players we make more than him on the Montreal Canadiens who are forwards: Biron, Armia. Dvorak, Hoffman, Dadanov, Anderson, Gallagher, Suzuki, the defensemen who make more than him are Edmondson, Matheson, and David Savard. So he he's nowhere near being the highest paid player on his team. Like he's tenth or eleventh or twelfth. However many players are in front of him. So I I don't think there will be that much pressure there. Yes, if he falters, maybe some fans will get on him, but I I think the pressure lies elsewhere. If if I'm a Nick Suzuki, I'm feeling the pressure if if I'm guys like that. But I I like this deal for both player and team. I think for Montreal, this is a smart signing. You get this guy wrapped up. I think this is an overpay for the first year, maybe two. And then this is a deal for the last two years of a contract. And, And you see this around the NHL now. This is the new normal. These guys on these entry-level contracts you used to have to work for your money. And we'll touch on this when we talk about the Ottawa Senators down the road with their signings this offseason. It's it's a win-win for both teams. Where Kirby gets to go to bed tonight saying, you know what? I'm going to make almost 3.5 this year. I'm not worth it. I haven't done anything in my hockey career to, to merit this type of value, but they're betting on me. And so he feels good. He's like, you know what? I will – kind of work my way into that player to earn this contract so they'll probably hit the even mark maybe around the end of year two the start of year three where it's like oh this is a fair contract then hopefully by the end of year three year four kirby will be outperforming this contract and then montreal is another good deal another good reason for this contract is at the end of this four years he's still a restricted free agent they still own his rights he still has to negotiate with Montreal. He's an ELC. He's not free to negotiate. I bet you Kirby was pounding the pavement his age and trying to get him a five-year deal for this term. But Montreal dug their heels in. That's why maybe it took this long to get this deal done because he's been their property for a few months now. But it's a good deal for Kirby. It's a very good deal for Montreal. I like this. In the age of overpaying players, in the age of, you know, we're going to pay him for his future, this and that. They didn't just give him a ton of money and just say, well, we think he's going to build on that player. 3.362 isn't a lot of money in today's age. Like The salary cap will go up eventually, and it will go up to a good amount. Projections are it's going to be $90, $95 million once this whole COVID stuff gets paid off. So I don't mind this deal for Montreal. I think this is a win. I think it's a win for Kirby early on. I think it's a big win for Montreal right now, and it's a huge win for them in three, four years. So Kent Hughes... Didn't know really what to expect from him coming in. He has done nothing in my eyes but impress me. He's making really shrewd moves. He's taking advantage of other teams' bad situations and pouncing on it. He's, he's doing really good work. If he can all of a sudden figure out how to get out from Brendan Gallagher's contract, and that would be the icing on the cake, the cherry on top. Because other than that, I like what he's done. I really do. I know I was blowing smoke up. Kirby's behind calling Montreal contender, this and that. Their defense is, it's suspect. It's suspect to say the least. They're, They're goaltenders. They need to figure that out. Now that Carey Price is, the rumors are swirling around him. He's going to be retiring soon, which he should, rightfully so. Like He's had a tough last couple of years with his body, his mind, everything going on around him and his family. So just walk away. Make your 40- $2 $2 million over the next four years and just be fine with it. But, yeah, I, I don't mind what they've done. They they poached Sean Monahan with the first-round pick for the Calgary Flames. He'll be a valuable piece of the deadline, trade him away. You can see what he's trying to do. But, yeah, a good deal for Kirby, very good deal for Montreal.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Like, all the media attention is probably going to be geared to their, their shiny new toy, Slavkovsky, the first overall pick. And if there's a a pressure on a prospect or a young kid in the organization who's got something to prove, it's actually probably more Cole Caulfield. Same age as Kirby, 21 years old, still on his ELC. He came onto the scene, obviously, during that playoff run, um, just lighting the world on fire, as we we like to say, but then did very little last year. Little stretches of magic, but, yeah, I think maybe he's – maybe Kirby can sneak under the radar a little bit with with those other young players, not to mention Suzuki um, getting more attention. So, yeah, that's probably a good point there.
1: You're right with Caulfield. Same draft class as Kirby Dock. They came in the same year. They both – big expectations. Cole Caulfield has not produced at all. But the funny thing is, he's probably got more points than Kirby Dock does. I, I haven't checked their stats, but Cole Caulfield has the potential. He's a good little player. We saw that in the playoffs. But yeah, he had 43 points last year. Like Kirby Doc did not have 43 points, I think, in three seasons. I don't know if you can pull it up quickly, but Cole's got to be looking – Looking at his deal, going to the GM's office and be like, "Why are we not negotiating a new deal? I know you just got this guy, but let's 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 go here. Daddy wants his uh, his bread, and he's going to want more than three point four. He was drafted by Montreal. He's had some success there. The fans love him. So we'll see what happens. Montreal is is a it's a team to watch. I will say this, and just to touch on the Slokovsky thing, do you see the thing Yager said? He saw him playing when he was um, back in Czech. He's no. like. He was with someone. He's like, I don't know who that kid is, but I want him on my team next year. And he found out how old he was. And he's like, oh, he'll be in the NHL in like one year. Because he said he plays the game just like I did. He's big. He controls the puck. He handles the game well. And he's just a stud. And so pretty good praise from Yarmir Yager. Arguably top four. Is he on the Mount Rushmore hockey players? Yager? Probably just off of it.
0: Just off it. But he's up there. we done
1: this show. But just, just, just off of Mount Rushmore. But yeah. This – I don't mind Montreal's roster. They just have a couple bad. If you can get rid of Gallagher, maybe get rid of Anderson. I don't mind Anderson though. You know what I mean? Get rid of Gallagher. I don't, I think it's, it's get a defenseman and a goal. Yeah. yeah, There's, there's a lot of holes. I don't mind it though.
0: Yeah. If I'm looking at this, right. I could, I, it's very possible. I'm not, but it looks like they're already over the salary cap and that's not counting calorie. price is probably not returning and Sean Monahan is probably not returning. But then you got Jonathan Joanne, who does hope to return. He's making five and a half smill. Like, they got some things to figure out when they already have a pretty weak defense. And then Jake Allen, who's a backup goal, he's going to be their starter. And, and Sam Montembello, who I think, every time I've, I've seen him on the ice, it feels like he's letting in beach balls. So they got a few things to figure out. But they do have a nice young core, especially up front.
1: No, they're under the cap. They're, once, once they put Kerry on LTIR, they'll be under the cap. But they um they have no room. Like, they can't acquire anybody. This is it. So they, they're cap compliant. Once the season starts, okay. they will make it work. But, yeah, Montreal Canadiens, good for Kirby Doc, friend of the show, young kid, another young kid, just, just right down the road from Montreal and Ottawa, Ottawa Senators. We talk about a team having a good offseason. We talk about a team taking the next step. Their GM, their owner last year, came out and just said, we're, we're not, we're a contender now. We're, we're not we're not in the rebuild mode. This is it. We're, we're taking the next step. They proceeded to have a terrible season, just stunk again, high draft pick. They said, whoa, 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 okay, this year. And they're going for it. And, and I love what they've done in the offseason, making a couple good moves, bringing in Claude Giroux, trading for Alex Debrinket, signing all of their good young players, getting them locked up. All of a sudden, you look at this division – these teams that were just pushovers, the Buffalo Sabres, the Ottawa Senators, they're making some moves. And Ottawa is looking very, very good. Not just this year, but they have set themselves up two, three, four years down the road. They could be the next dynasty team. And I know that's, that's saying a lot. But when you look at what they've done, you look at the contracts they've given out, they're giving out big money, not a little money, massive money, to young maybe i don't want to call them inexperienced but players who still have a long way to grow for long terms they're giving out eight-year deals to everybody kachuk norris stutzel shabbat everybody's getting eight-year deals everybody's getting eight million per they're going for it they have went all their eggs in this basket this is their group this is their core that they think we can win with do you think this is a good idea do you think you can win, Tim? And I'm, I'm being honest, compared to all the other cores out there, you look at Tampa Bay, you look at Colorado, you look at the Rangers, you look at Carolina, when you kind of compare Ottawa to them, and I know Ottawa is a few years out, but we've seen these other teams grow. We've always seen Colorado, Tampa. We've watched all these teams grow and how their young players develop and get seasoned and just all of a sudden they're champions. Brady Kachuk, captain. Joshua Norris pretty darn good centerman claude drew they bring in they sign up for three years you got drake batherson signed on for another five years you got matthew joseph you got tim stutzel you got thomas shabbat shalom where does this group kind of rank with all those other teams in your eyes Tim? nobody else's eyes in your eyes yeah Guys, it's, it's pretty, pretty high your eyes that's complete your eyes you don't know that song. You're a millennial. Are you done? That's okay, go ahead. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh it's pretty high.
0: It's pretty high. I mean, like I, I always have been comparing them to Detroit's core. It seemed like they're all they're at similar places. Maybe Ottawa's a year ahead, especially with these bigger contracts. But I I liked I like this core. I, I was surprised at the amount of money that they're giving Tim Stutzel. That's a lot of money and a lot of time to give to a guy who Super talented, has has done some good things, but I don't know if he's earned like sixty million dollars yet. Um, but like I can't imagine a lot of younger, better, well-rounded centers than Brady Kachuk to build around. And they've got the the Norris and Batherson, who knows what they do with debrinett. He's under contract for one more year. Do they try to make him part of this core? Again, he's only 24. And then Shabbat, 25 years old, is such a good young defenseman. I think probably probably what's missing from them being contenders, aside from the fact that they all just need to grow and get more experience together, and especially in the playoffs. But they their goalie, they haven't found their franchise goalie yet. I don't think Forsberg is that guy. And Ken Talbot's pretty good, but he's 35 years old. And then they don't really have – who's their number two defenseman? Is no. it Zaitsev, you know, uh, is it is it Hamannik at this point in his career? I don't know. I, I mean, they've got some young players like Sanderson and Brandstrom, but Shabat is is a total stud. He's a stallion. But then you kind of it kind of falls off after that. So I'm, if I'm the GM, I'm assuming that's where I'm looking next. I've got my forward locked up, but I think this is a really strong core, I think they will win some cups in the next decade.
1: You wow, you do you think they will win? St- you like this group right now more than Detroit. Let's get that on paper.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Because of their forward, obviously their forward group, Detroit, obviously when you look at most cider, you're taking him over Shabbat Shalom. Wouldn't you say?
0: Yes. Yeah, I would.
1: But it's just that forward group. Cause really Detroit's going to have a lot of questions in the next few years. They have Raymond, they have Bertuzzi and that's kind of it. They, they signed Andrew copter. I don't want to get down to the Detroit, right? I, I agree with you. I think Ottawa at this point right now, has a brighter future, but boy, I I do think Detroit has a lot more flexibility. Detroit has – Ottawa, excuse me, has just really hitched their cart to these guys, and they're not proven. That's the issue, and and I don't want to sound like an old fuddy-duddy because I do like what they're doing. I do like when GMs do this where you bet on a player and then you wind up having a deal of the century like a Nathan McKinnon or a Pasternak or a Marchand – And it's like, gosh, what a great contract. Conversely, you look at a a Skinner contract, it's like, gosh, it's a bad contract because he, he didn't develop or just continue to play into the player you signed him to be. There's a lot of unknowns surrounding these guys. There's a lot of, well, he will continue to progress. He will continue to do this. It's not like they were putting up massive amounts of points last year. Stutzel had 58 and 79. That's okay. That's not good enough for an $8 million player. Norris had 55 and 66. That's okay. It's not good enough for an $8 million player. Like You want point per game plus if you're paying somebody $8 million. Batherson, yes. Connor Brown, pretty good. Shabbat, he will be the one where I'm like, he's, he's a surefire Norris candidate every single year he plays the game. He's a very good player. And Brady Kachuk, he brings everything to the table. I like that guy too. So I think there are some sure things with this team, but there are a lot of question marks. And maybe I'm proven wrong but boy it's it's the way of the times you see gms now back in my day and i say my day but like 15 years ago you wouldn't hit your big contract until like 3 4 like your third or fourth contract that was the one where you really hit the money very rare would you sign these long term deals once the salary cap started to take foot and gms really wrapped their head around it that's when you saw these shorter term deals they don't want to extend and then when they get a player boom long term deal they like we want that guy we want him for a long time and the players just they wanted to to stay in one team forever so the salary cap changed the way people do business and now especially with the tight salary cap you're seeing it evolve more where gms they they didn't they, they don't have the luxury of locking up these young players for like 3 years, 4 year, 2 years it's like cuz then they're gone they don't have enough money to spend we saw it, we saw it with Suzuki. We saw it with Hershire. We're seeing it now with Stutzel. We saw it with Batherson. Otto is a prime example. It's a gamble. Sometimes you lose those gambles. Sometimes you win this gamble. In five years, which of these contracts are going to be a bad contract? You know, Is Stutzel going to be the same player he is in five years? You know, 60, 70 points, that's good. When you're making over eight, that's a bad contract. So I don't know. I think it's an unknown grade. But I like the GM strategy. I really do. He's investing in his draft picks. He's in draft uh, investing in his team. And it gives that fan base something to hold on to where the last three, four, five years, it's been a train wreck. The owner's been just, well, he's passed away, right? Didn't their owner die? He did die. Ottawa's owner? Yeah,
0: that sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, so he died. But before that, he was just an absolute disaster in the media and all over the place. You couldn't really put a thumb on what, what he was going to do. They finally have a good GM Pierre Dorian. He's been there a while, but he's, he's settled things down. Head coach, DJ Smith seemed to have a hold of the locker room last year. We'll see how he, you know, transitions this year when he has some legit talent to work with. I'm excited to see this team. I really am. I I grade the contract, Tim Grade it for me, Tim Stutzel, Eight years, $8.35 million. Is, that a, is this a good deal? That's a lot of money.
0: That's a lot of money, like I said. And and one thing's for sure, Ottawa has picked their horses now. They have hitched their carts, and this is their team. This is the, the franchise that they're building. And if they're wrong, like you mentioned, like, like Jeff Skinner, perfect example. If they're wrong, if there's a Skinner in this group, and they have $8, 9000000 million committed to a guy that's producing almost nothing, they're going to set their franchise back and then they're not going to compete. And then they're going to have to get rid of some of these contracts and start all over in 10 years from now. And so they better not be wrong. I don't think they are. I like all these players There's some un- unproven stuff for sure, but I-, I think it's going to work, but man, 60 plus million dollars to a guy who's 20 years old, who's, who's produced pretty well, but he hasn't like, he does not even approach point per game status yet. Let alone be a superstar in this league. It's just a lot of money, a lot of money. He's played two years, he's had one good year. He's had
1: one good year. Let's not get twisted. He was a rookie, he played okay. He got 29 points his rookie year. He got a lot, a lot of opportunities his rookie year. Ottawa was garbage. Last year, they were a little better. He had 58 and 79. So, I don't want to just overinflate this guy because Brady Kachuk loves him. Everybody in Ottawa loves him. I think he's a good player too. But let's not just all of a sudden, you know, be in la la land. He's a good player. He's a good player. Next year, he's going to get the chance to play with high end guys who have proven it throughout their career with Debrinket, Giroux, potentially. You got the first line of Kachuk Norris and Batherson. They have a pretty good first two line. There's a steep drop off after that. We'll see. The verdict is still out. It's a, it's a large gamble. Right now, I'm going to grade it a C for the Ottawa Senators. Not, not great, not terrible. I think it's a lot to invest in this guy. I do. Like you, you invested in Brady Kachuk. You knew, you knew the type of player he was. There's just I don't know. I don't know. I like the Shabbat. I like the Kachuk. I like the Norris. This is a lot of money for Stute. So the Batherson deal. I apologize. He's just making shy under five million dollars. So that's a great contract for Ottawa. Batherson's a good player. We'll see. I don't think they're there yet. I think they're more competitive. Like we talked about, their defense is it, it's not good. Average age of twenty eight almost, and they're just not. Not a lot there. So we'll see. Good move. So it's, I don't want to always be the downer. Ottawa has to do this. You have to sign these guys. You can't let them walk. You can't just trade and then push this down the way. Be like the Philadelphia 76ers where you had a million draft picks and you're just kicking the can down the road. No, it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. You have to go for it. You have to try to compete. You have to go out there and say, you know what? We're done. I'm going to put this, I'm going to spend some money and we're going to try to win some hockey games. We'll see how it goes. They're in a very, very solid division. They got some very good competition. Can they compete with the Florida's, the Toronto's the Tampa Bay's, the Boston's we'll see last year. They didn't they came seventh in the Atlantic. They were almost last in the Eastern conference. So, We'll see. They 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 have to improve. They got rid of Matt Murray. They somehow shipped him off to Toronto. and Packaged that up with a pile of shit or dung. We have to cut that out. But yeah, it's just uh... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't usually curse, but when I get to Toronto, taking Matt Murray it brings it out of me. All right, what are we talking about next? Let's just. I gotta go buy some soap. And I don't want to drive because it's hot. I'm going to order some DoorDash. Wash my mouth up with soap. That was disgusting. And when I need to just cleanse myself, repent for my sins, I'm using soap and I get it through DoorDash. And when I use DoorDash, I use promo code US because I'm a Traverse City, Michigan baby USA. But if I was in Canada doing a little charity tour, I would use promo code GLOVESDD. I'd get 25% off. I get free delivery on my first order. It's fantastic. DoorDash. It helps you when you're in the dumps like I am right now because I let a little customer slip <clears throat> out of my mouth. I'm going to be fine, though, because I'm going to use DoorDash. It's going to make me happy, happy, happy. I'm going to save some money, get a bar. Did you ever chomp on a bar of soap when you were a kid, Tim? Your parents ever just shoved one down your mouth? I never did anything that
0: I would have deserved that. So, no. No accountability. Nothing's changed. No, no, I was just a sweet little baby angel child.
1: Nothing's changed.
0: Yeah. No. Did you have to do that? Bite on a bar of soap, like in the in the Christmas story?
1: No, we just get beat. Just belts and sticks and rulers, not sticks, belts and rulers in hands. Just spankings. That's how we got punished. But I got big. I got big quick. So that really wore off by the time I was like 12. I was like, come at me, bro. Let's see what happens. Let's go. Let's do this, mom. Chase me. You ain't getting me. I'd like close my door. And my dresser was right by my door in my bedroom. I would prop my feet up on my dresser. I put my back against the door and I had strong legs. I'm like try to open the door. You're never going to. And they'd be like trying to push it open. I'm like yeah, you push all you want. It's not going to work. And like it's just basic physics. Unless you take these hinges off this door. I have leverage, I have strength. My legs are stronger than your whole body. You can get a running start. And you're not going to budge this door. Uh, yeah. But then once I once they got in or I left because I had to eat and use the restroom it was it was game time. I knew I was in for it. But for that moment, I was like, "Yeah, it's great. DoorDash. So use it everybody, promo code glovesdd if you're in Canada, US. It's a great company." All right, moving on. We're going to talk about people on the hot seat, Tim. Every year, you go into the season, you go into the off-season. People, coaches should get fired, GMs should get fired, players should be moved. I want people held accountable for our failures you're a fan you want heads to roll you want to see changes you want something different to happen players sometimes you can't move them so be it gms may be giving coaches a second chance presidents giving gms a second chance maybe a new coach rolls into town maybe you want to see how they work out it's it's a brand new scenario for them maybe they're on the hot seat we're going to talk about players coaches on the hot seat this year, who has to produce or else they're gone. Let's start with probably the most immediate one. These two players have been called up by the owner. They've been called up by everybody. I think the mayor of Dallas has called them out. I think Joe Biden has mentioned something in his press conference about them. Jamie Bennett, Tyler Saginton. To Has there ever been two stars?
0: Are they superstars, do you think? Not no. anymore. No. no. Were they ever? Mm, ben led the league in points, we, we but that was that. like
1: the the worst year for points ever. Like that's yeah. when they, everybody stopped taking steroids that year. But now they're back. Jamie Ben Tyler Seg called out by the owner multiple times, multiple times throughout their career. Most recently, I think a few months ago, he said they have to be better. It's embarrassing. I'm paying all these guys all this money, and they're just not producing. We if we have any chance to win. They need to do something. Are they on the hot seat, Tim, or are they just absolved from that just because they've always been on the hot seat? It seems like since they signed their big contracts.
0: Oh, they're on the hot seat. They they're in the hottest seat. They lead the charge in this whole thing. And I, I, I'd be curious to know. Like, I'd love to have someone like them on or hear an interview to see like what they what they think about like the owner calling them out and and the pressure and Sagan like obviously had major injury and surgery two years ago. Last year he puts up. Like forty something points and sixty something games. Like it's not horrible. These guys are like legit NHL players, obviously. But if the stars are going to be good, those two guys have to be good. And they, like the owner said, when you got guys like that who are taking that much out of the cap and making that much money and not producing, it handcuffs the teams in their ability to to do more things on the ice at the deadline on a playoff run. And that division, like they messed up against, I think the, the Flames in the first round, and, and they lost that, and they really never had a sniff. And so looking at the last couple of seasons in the regular season last year and and basically full seasons, 81 games for Tyler Sagan, 82 for Jamie Ben, 49 points, 46 points. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. The year before that, you go to shortened season, 52 games for Jamie Ben, 35 points. Tyler Sagan only played three games, it was a lost season for him. The year before that, 69 game, Tyler Sagan, 50 points, 69 game for Jamie Benn, 39 points. It's been years since these guys were like star players on this team. And I know that they went on the playoff run and they were the key parts of that offensively. But if the stars are going to be good, those two guys have to produce. So I would say they, they're they absolutely on the hot seat.
1: Well, here's the frustrating part, I think, for the owner and for probably the other guys in that Dallas Stars locker room. Dallas has been close. They made it to the Stanley Cup Finals with these two guys being subpar. They were very competitive last year in the central – a very you know good central division with Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis. Maybe not good. A, a decent central division. They come fourth, and these two guys were not very good. Downright bad at times. So the frustrating thing is what could have been? We signed these guys – to produce, we signed them to lead this team, and they just didn't. We had a rookie, we had a veteran, and we had a stud goaltender carrying us the whole season. Imagine the possibilities. If you're the owner, that's why he's so frustrated. It's like, we could have we could have a Stanley Cup banner hanging in the rafters. We could be right up there with Colorado. We could be one of those teams if you two guys would just produce like you did in years past. And I went back and I kind of just tallied up all their stats pre-big contract and post-big contract, and it's, it's night and day. It's black and white. Jamie Ben before his contract. This is before he signed his big eight-year 76 million dollar, making 9.5 a year in 2016. Before his contract, he had 448 points in 508 games. Good for 0.9 points a game, roughly. That's pretty good. That's really? But good. then you add on to that, and he's physical. He's just a leader. He just he's a bruiser out there. He just you you know what type of play you're getting when you're getting Jamie Ben. Like he's a power forward, the epitome of a power forward who just produces at a high end, very rare combination. Then he signs his contract after that, he's got 252 points in 362 games, good for like 0. 0.7 points a game. That's a huge drop off. You want him to just shoot into the stratosphere after that contract, but he's just tanked. Absolutely not to the extent of tanked where he's a bad player, but he's making $9.5 million at that time in 2017 and 18, when he signed that contract, Other guys making $9.5 million, Malkin, Ovechkin, Kopitar, Kane, Crosby, Taves, all those guys, multiple Stanley cups, multiple Olympic medals, multiple individual awards, Ben, nothing other than that one. Now that was before. It was before his contract when he won the scoring lead. So yes, terrible, terrible. Since he signed that big contract, Tyler Sagan signed his big eight year, $78.8 million deal. Even more than Jamie Ben making 9.85 a year in 2018. Since that, He's got 101 points, 156 games, good for 0. 0.66 a game. Before that, he was a point-per-game guy. 469 games, 464 points. Superstar. Electric. Best player on the ice. So incredibly good. Just obviously the injury has to play in there, but around that same time he signed his deal, Mitch Marner, Stone from uh, Mike Mike Stone, Nikita Kucherov, Rantanen from Colorado, all those guys, same type of deal, same type of time. Imagine if you're the Dallas owner and you're looking at all these guys Say, gosh, uh, Malkin, Ovechkin, Kopitar, Kane, Taze, Crosby, Marner, Stone, Kucherov, Rantanen. If I had any two of those guys, I have banner, banner in my rafters. I'm, I I have multiple Stanley Cup rings probably with the amount of talent that I've surrounded these two guys with and they haven't been able to produce. It's frustrating. I, I don't blame anybody being frustrated with these two guys, but being on a hot seat, being in that locker room, these guys don't care. They don't care. They, they, at the end of the day, they still get to go home, cash a paycheck, and this is a reality of. I, I played the game. I, I've been around guys who have been, you know, oh, we're going to healthy scratch you, Billy Leno in Buffalo, one of the worst contracts ever. Guy was making what, five and a half, six and a half, something like that. Fourth line healthy scratch. He could care less. He, he we would, he would joke about it because I would be a healthy scratch with them, and he'd be like, ah, I made seventy five thousand today didn't have to do anything. It was a joke. It was an absolute joke. And I'm not saying these guys don't want to win and they're not passionate about winning. I don't think there's such thing as a hot seat when a guy still has three or four years left making this type of money. It's like, whatever. I'm trying my best. If I don't produce, I don't produce. You think they're going to change the way they play? No. Not at all. You think there's going to be a different Jamie Benn next year, a different Tyler Sagan? All of a sudden, they're just going to be a different player. No. They will continue to digress. They're going to continue to get worse. And they're just going to have to live with this contract. Maybe they might eke out a good year where they get a point per game. But for the rest, I, I don't even think they will. Look at Ben. He's just been slowly, slowly getting worse and worse every year. He, he's played a lot of hockey. I love I love how he plays. Don't get me wrong. I'm not slighting the guy in his career. But they're at the tail end of their careers. This is it. And the owner's pissed. He could have had other guys. He, he hitched his court. Card to these guys and it's just it's not working out the way he expected and now he's locked up to pay these guys 20 million dollars every year for the next four or five years and he's a little upset about it and I would be too so that's that's it so I don't think they're on the hot seat yes other people are putting them on the hot seat but I think they go home and they look at their mansions and they check their bank statement and they go okay I got paid this week and everything's just fine everything's just fine so it, it you Win some, you lose some, and the Dallas Stars owner, right now, he's a losing, he's a losing big, and he's a little upset about it. So, what are you gonna do, Tim? You know, it, it, that's 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 the way the game's played. Salary cap era didn't work out. Anything else?
0: Yeah, let's talk about a couple other guys on the hot seat here. Um, uh, one of the ones I, I added to the list was Nazem Kadri, just trying a big deal. Again, Hotzi, like, he's not going anywhere. They're locked up with him, just like the other ones you mentioned. But the big question around him has been, can he be a legit star, number one center on a cup-contending team? He played a complimentary role everywhere he's been so far, where he was behind the Taveras and Austin Matthews of the world. He was behind Nathan McKinnon. Mm -hmm. And he plays that role really well. He's very good, especially when he gets the favorable line matchups. And he can be on the power play. He can kill penalties. He can do all these things. He's a great, like, number two or 1B center so far at this point in his career. Now he's going to Calgary where he's 1A. He's the guy. Is Do you think he's under pressure there, or do you feel like he's he's not? Is he on the hot seat for you?
1: I don't think he's 1A on this team. I think Lindholm.
0: Well, yeah, but Lindholm plays center
1: and wing too. I think Lindholm slots in at first-line center. That's that. That's right. I see the lineup. I don't think Kadri maybe this is because I don't think Kadri is the number one center. I don't think he ever has been. I don't think he ever will be. I think he is perfectly suited for that second-line center role. Very talented guy. I, I, I just don't see it. I think he's the second-line centerman on this team, and I think it's perfect for him there. But if he is first-line center, talk about all the hate that Kirby Dock was going to get, all the vitriol. It'll be right at Cadre. He was the prime – Peace this offseason he was the crown jewel of this offseason for people to grab he waited a long time left a lot of people hanging in the wind where is he gonna go everybody thought he was going to the islanders i thought he was going back colorado calgary kicking the tires years before they signed him this offseason they want him. He nicks to trade to calgary so i think calgary fans maybe have a bitter taste in their mouth even from that when he nicks a trade from toronto to go to calgary so i don't know if he's one c if he's the guy number one center it won't work out. I don't think he is that guy. I think he's a good second line center. Maybe he can spell Lindholm for times. If Lindholm, you know, is struggling a little bit, you put Kadri up there. He brings some juice to Huberto and whoever they put next to him, Manji, Pani, Tavoli, Dylan Dubé, if he's, you know, flying, but I think he's a second line center, but he's under a ton of pressure. Like he, he's got to produce. He was the guy. He kind of drew out in his off season, made a big show of it in in a way. Sign in Calgary. They did the big replacement with Kachuk and uh, Gaudreau for Huberto and Cadre. But I don't know. I I don't think he is their guy. Maybe that's why he picked Calgary. He doesn't have to be the guy. They got Huberto. They got Lindholm. They got Toffoli. They got other guys that kind of take the pressure off him. And they have this world-class defense. And then they got Markstrom on the back. I don't think he likes being the guy. He was that guy in Toronto. And yes, he played okay, but he didn't play darn near as well. Until he was in Colorado and he was able to be protected by Rantanen, by Landiscott, by McKinnon, by these guys. So I don't know. I don't think he has it. I don't think he is the guy. And that's not a slight. I just think people thrive when they're, you know, able to say, okay, I don't have all the pressure on me. Whereas other people are like, I want the pressure. I want the smoke, as the gangsters say. Give me the smoke, Tim. Cottery doesn't want that smoke, Tim. He doesn't want it.
0: What coaches or front office people do you think might be on the hot seat this year?
1: Oh, everybody in Toronto, which is great. Finally. And it, let me rephrase that. I like Dubas. I like him. I think he's done a great job in Toronto since he came in. He was under a ton of pressure. Absolute, just immense amount of pressure when he rolled into Toronto. Young kid. He could have been like the stats guy. Like the, count the shots and sit in the corner and don't talk to anybody. Like that type of person. He is the GM you're rolling in. What was he, like 30 years old or 32 or something, like insanely young. And he has done nothing in my eyes but give this team a chance to win. The reason he's on the hot seat right now, Matt Murray. He has just (laughs) – and it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. He has brought in whatever this team needed. Need a couple more goals, they went on to get John Tavares. Need some depth on the back end, you bring in Girardi, you bring in Bogosian, you bring in... Who else did he get back there to play in the back end? He has shored up that back end. Need some like depth scoring, he's brought in guys to be depth scorers. The only area where Toronto always seems to be lacking is goaltender. You had one last year, and you let him slip away in Jack Campbell. You bring in Matt Murray, what are we doing here? The reason he will be fired this offseason is because he brought in Matt Murray, and that was it. Unless the rumors are true, if he falters and he goes out and gets a Connor Hellebuck, then he saves his job. Also, Keefe, Adam Keith, head coach, brings a whole new system. To tra- Sheldon. Why do I call him Adam always? I don't know. There was an Adam O'Keefe or an Adam Keefe hockey player that I played against. I think that's why. Okay. I think that's why. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I'll just call him Keith. He's on the hot seat, too. Same with Brendan Shanahan. Everybody's on the hot seat. I think this whole regime in Toronto, ever since they came in, it's got to be, what, six six years-ish when it started with Lamorello and Shanahan, transition, now it's these three. They are all tied together. We're in it with one for all and all for one. They're the three musketeers. If Toronto doesn't get out of the first round, make a move towards the Stanley Cup, they all have to go. They are the hottest GM, coach, president trio there ever is. There's so much anticipation pressure in Toronto and these guys haven't done anything. They haven't won a a playoff round Tim. him. It's, it's, it's embarrassing when you think about it. We've, we've talked about it at length for the amount of money they've spent for the amount of high draft picks that they have for the amount of veterans taking discounts to go and play in Toronto for the amount that this people talk up this team, they have not gotten out of the first round. It's insane. Austin Matthews has not won a playoff round. Isn't that stupid? It's insane. It's crazy, but he's your MVP. Blah.
0: Yeah. Well, it, this this it, you can already see the future. The Maple Leafs are going to have a great season. Everyone knows they're going to make the playoffs. All of this pressure, whether you have the players have to prove themselves, you got like Shanahan and Keith and Dubas, their their careers or jobs are on the line. It all it's all going to come down to a four game stretch in the first round of the playoffs, game four through seven of whoever they get matched up against in the first round. That's what it comes down to. They haven't produced. They haven't gotten the job done in years past. Whether it's letting back like the Bruins of off, you know major comeback or letting the Bruins beat them and then the Lightning beat them and then who beat them in the first round last year? Was it the Lightning? Yep. Um, yeah. And so games. they good. just yeah, it's just it's gonna come down to that. It's like can they win those games? Because you know Matthew's gonna put up fifty plus. You know Marner's gonna put up a hundred points. Like these guys are all good players, and then it's gonna come down to just those that week in may that just decides everything that's 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 all it is
1: yeah yeah don't blame it on the gm but that's who will get the blame you can't you can't fire the players just like sagan and ben you can't get rid of the players you get rid of who you can you change things this and that those guys have to go if they don't succeed this year you have to definition of insanity all right another guy on the hot seat another coach your hometown town boston got rid of butch cassidy and the sundance kid fired him lots of drama surrounding that firing lots of drama one of the most successful coaches in the whole NHL over the last 5 years winner proven winner dealt with everything that go- comes with being a coach in Boston didn't win a Stanley Cup but really a good team he gets fired Karachi comes back posternak all of a sudden open a signing an extension everybody's happy in Boston bring in montgomery former coach of Dallas Stars fired in a cloud of just uncertainty there. We don't know why he got fired, but something happened. No one knows what. Got let go by Dallas. Hired by Boston. He is on the hot seat, I think. This team is a a good team. He has to do better than Cassidy did last year. Otherwise, Neely's going to look like a fool. Sweeney's going to look like a fool. Everybody's going to look dumb. Then you're going to go, well, gosh, maybe Cassidy was the only reason why this team was good. Am I I off base? Because I put this on the agenda. I think Montgomery's on the hot seat. Or is this more the players are on the hot seat and Montgomery's just coming in to kind of fill a void that they don't need a coach. We're good enough. We can get rid of this bum. He made us work hard. We don't like that.
0: Uh, Who should be on the hot seat is Neely and uh, Sweeney the president and GM, they've done nothing that, that proves to the fan base that they're trying to win as an organization. They've done very little adjustment. They haven't really seemed to learn from their mistakes. And they scapegoated Don Sweeney, who, no, sorry, Don Sweeney. Um, what's his name? Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid as as the, the reason that they weren't advancing when, yeah, there was some drama and maybe some other reason besides what happened, you know, on ice results for why they let him go. But still, he's... He was a winning coach, and so we'll see what Montgomery brings, but it really should be the front office that's that – especially, like, think about what they've done over the last couple of years, letting Tory Crew go. Krejci left and came back. You don't get much from Rask. You don't – Bergeron's a big question mark, and they found themselves in a position where they should be a contender, and their off-season approach was – begging these 35-year-old centers not to retire. Like, that's that's not in a good place to be, and I don't really know how we got there. So, yeah, it should be the front office that's on stake. And I would say another guy on the player side, David Pasternak, entering a contract season. It's his final year making 6.66666. He's going to want max money. Look at what Tim Stutzel just got. I know he's only 20 years old, but, like, if, if he's getting eight by eight, what's not going to get? not going to ask for 10 by 10. Like, he's going to be crazy what he's, what he's going to ask for. Who knows what, it, what, his, what his number is. But he's got to produce this year. Um, he's been a little bit of a – I wouldn't say inconsistent, but, you know, not every year has been his best year. And I think he's especially given the chance that – it looks like at least to start, it's going to be Krejci playing with um between Pasternak and Taylor Hall. It's a line that we saw just a little bit from small sample size two years ago. Getting a full season of that is pretty exciting. So Pasternak needs to produce and certainly wants to. It's a it's a question of whether he wants to come back to Boston. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. You look around the landscape. It's like, what's this team going to look like in three years? At the most, maybe Bergeron squeezes one more year out. You got Marshawn still playing at a high level. I think he's 33, 34. It's like Krejci's probably not going to come back. McAvoy's locked up, but the defense has some question marks. I I don't know that he's going to come back. So we can talk about that when the time comes, but I would say he's got some pressure this year as well.
1: So you don't think Montgomery is on the hot seat? You think it's more Sweeney, Cam Neely, and the players?
0: It should be. It should be. I mean – I don't know. I mean, how much pressure should there be on a, on a new coach?
1: Like- I don't know. I, I think th- there has to be a little bit. He's the guy who – he's a straw that stirs the drink. He's the head coach. You know, he he's put in charge of this team. This team should be a playoff contender. They have a good lineup. They're a decent team. But I, I think a big part of this team is they, they draft terribly. They have no really good homegrown talent. that no good young homegrown talent. I think the the last good draft pick they had was Charlie McAvoy. But after that, no good guys who are, you know, really good players making an impact on this team. And you're you're basically begging Jake DeBrusque to stay, which is like uh, gross because Jake DeBrusque is not – like you try – I don't know. Uh, It is what it is. I, I think Jim Montgomery, I think he will be on the hot seat. I do think he'll be fired because I think Boston is going to have a bad year. I really do. I just don't I don't I don't see it happening for them. I think they have injury issues, I think they're old. I don't think is going to all of a sudden come back and turn back the clock and just be able to take a year off and just just kind of step back into being s- successful players. So I don't know. No, I don't know. I, th- I think he'll be gassed. I think Sweeney'll be gassed, and I think Neely'll be gassed. I think all three of them be gone. Same within. Uh, same with Toronto. It's just going to be a complete overhaul of these two original six teams.
0: Okay, you say bad year. Do you think they won't make the playoffs? I don't think they will. So which, which team in their division makes it over them? Who are, the, who are you for?
1: Oh, in their division? Well, I guess, I think, okay. Florida, in the, Florida yeah. Toronto, and Tampa Bay are locked in. Yeah. And then I don't know who's going to get that fourth spot. You know, it could be a team from the Metro. We'll see. But, and that's, that's a bold prediction. They were they were very good last year, but, you know, when you look at the East, it's like, gosh, which which are the bottom eight teams who didn't make it really made moves this offseason? Islanders, Columbus signed Gaudreau, but they're still a mess. New Jersey, Philly. I don't want to get down this, you know, path, but Ottawa, you know, Montreal, Detroit, Buffalo, are, there's not a lot in the East other than, like, the really heavy-duty top guys. It's a, it's a very top-heavy division. So, all right, moving on. Who else is on the hot seat, Tim?
0: Uh, Jack Eichel is a big one for me. Um. Obviously, for so many reasons. When you think about the the trade, you think about what he said and the way that he left Buffalo. You think about this whole thing with the surgery. You think about just the level of production that he has or hasn't had, and and his really relatively short career just because of injuries. And he's only been in the league for what maybe six years. But how many of those was he fully healthy for? So I think this is. He's been in the league for seven years. I think he's going to be on the hot seat for sure. Um, he had, uh, you know, a little sparks of chemistry. Twenty five points in, in thirty four games last year, in a shortened season for uh, Vegas. I think if Vegas wants to make a return to the playoffs, which is certainly their goal, he's got to be a big driving force. He's going to be like the the front and center for that. And so everyone's looking to see. It. And I think it's also a little bit of, of his, the Jack Eichel brand has taken some major hits in the last year and a half, two years. Yeah. think? Yeah, and so I think he wants to silence the haters, show what he's all about. So I would think maybe very few players have more pressure on them than Jack Eichel in my eyes. He's got quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think if there was a player that would feel the pressure, it's him. He has, like you said, a boulder on his shoulder where he just wants to He wants to prove everybody wrong. He has that personality. He showed it off when he was in Buffalo when he first went back. He made those comments. So he, I think he embraces it. He likes that type of pressure. We talk about Kadri who doesn't like that type of pressure. I think Eichel likes it. I think he wants to be that guy. It's like game seven, one minute left, tie game. I want that breakaway. I, I want the smoke, as us cool kids say. But I I think he'll bounce back. He's a good player. I think he's going to bounce back. Vegas will have a better year. They'll make the playoffs. And he will prove some naysayers wrong. It, it wouldn't surprise me if the guy gets 100 points this year. He's a good player. Very good player. I just looked up how many players make $10 million in the NHL, and there's 14 of them. Jack Eichel's on that list. Guy makes $10 million. He has to produce. Bobrovsky makes ten. million. Barkov, Kopitar, Kane, Taves, Price, Marner, Dowdy, Tavares, Carlson, Matthews, Panarin, and McDavid. It's funny how there's like the creme de la creme, and then there's just guys like, oh, You see Carlson? Let's just – did you see his comments? He's like, I I haven't asked for a trade from San Jose. Oh, you haven't? Oh, okay. Because there's a lineup of teams who are really, really beating down our door to get rid of you, Eric. Like, come on. Are you kidding me? San Jose would have traded you if they could. They're trying to give you away and they can't. And for him to come out and make these comments like, no, I'm committed here. That's not the way I work. I'm in here now. I'm excited for the future here. We're going to get this moving in the right direction. It's like the reason it's going in the wrong direction, Eric. Can someone bring a mirror in for me real quick? There you go. It's you, buddy boy. You're the reason. We're moving in the wrong direction. Here, could someone get Mark Andre, Mark Andre Vlasic, Mark Edward Vlasic over here? Friend of the show, love the guy. Can you guys just stand together? You're the reason we're moving in the wrong direction. You two guys should be our best defenseman all world pairing, and you both suck. I'm sorry, friend of the show, friend of mine, Pickles. But it's just you know, it's honest. I'm not going to you know blow smoke up anybody's behind. He knows it. Subpar, but for Eric Carlson to come out and say that it's just no accountability. Not my fault. I had my guy. That's so funny.
0: No, you're totally right. Listen to this quote. So they was asked if he had been traded. He said, no, I committed here. And then he said, it didn't work out the way we wanted it to early on. There's a lot of things that probably played into that. I'm not going to get into details about that, but I am excited about the future moving forward, et cetera, et cetera. Not going into details about that. Like it, like some other things happen. We haven't, like, buddy, it was you. It was you. You were playing. You were the best defenseman in the league when they traded for you, and then you've done very little since. It's just no. Here's like, what that means, nuts.
1: and it, it it means him and Brent Burns didn't work out. Him and Brent Burns didn't get along. I'm excited for this year. I'm excited for the future to see where we grow. That is not so veiled comment of he has gone. I'm happy about it. I finally get to the player to be the player I want to be. And that that's how I see that comment. There's been not a lot of changes in San Jose this offseason, except for Bernsey's gone. Number eighty eight. The the guy who was supposed to pair with Eric Carlson to be an unstoppable back end, two just race horses to go up and down the ice. He's gone. So that's why he's making these comments.
0: Would uh Eric Carlson be like a good sleeper pick for fantasy hockey this year? No, now that he can finally be the guy without Burns.
1: Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's why because he, he couldn't be the guy because Burns. No, you get him in the like tenth round, maybe eleventh round. He's, but I, I'm not going to ask for a trade. No, <laughs> I'm not. I, I I don't think it's right at this time. I like where we're going because I know there's a ton of teams who have a ton of salary cap space who are just begging to get a defenseman who makes ten million dollars a year who hasn't produced anywhere near that contract and who just consistently gets beat all the time on defense. There's teams lining up around the, around the block for that. Oh, sorry. I make 11.5 and I'm signed for another five years. It's just funny. It's, 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 it's laughable. It honestly is funny. This, the perception that they have on themselves. It's insane. Maybe that's why he's so good because he just can block out all the negative, negative stuff. The guy was dash 14 last year, dash 18 the year before, dash 15 the year before, dash 25 the season he left Ottawa. makes $11.5 million. Hasn't played a full season in San Jose. Never been a point per game guy. Just incredible. He scored three goals in San Jose his first year. Six goals his second year. Eight goals his third year. Finally hit double digits last year with 10 goals. He used... But I'm not – you know what? I'm going to do you guys a favor. I'm not going to ask for a trade. I know he – I'm part of the solution, not part of the problem. It's not me. I had my guy. It's unbelievable.
0: It's, I'm not it's, asking for a trade, and then he pauses for applause. Just, just you know, leave a little gap there for some praise.
1: Unbelievable. All right, let's do one more thing. John Tortorella. He, 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 he's coming in hot with Philadelphia. What did he say Tim? <clears throat>
0: Yeah. So he spoke on uh, Sirius XM NHL radio and he said the biggest priority, the thing that he's seeing that needs to be changed is the culture of the Philadelphia Flyers. And this is his quote. Quote, I have major concerns about the locker room. I've spent some time in the office talking to players, talking to personnel, talking to GM Chuck Fletcher, all the front office. I have major concerns about what goes on there. Before we even step on the ice, situations and standards and accountability in the room is forefront. You can't get squat done on the ice until you get your room straightened out, and I think we have a little bit of work to do there. John, talk to us. What's what's jumping out at you there?
1: Well, he's obviously talked to previous players, former players, current players, previous and former. Is that the same thing? Probably is the same thing. Yeah, it's just torts. He's coming in. He's putting a stamp on the team. He's like, is it not going to fly anymore. This is it. It's not going to fly anymore. So I don't mind it. And he, He's setting the tone for training camp. Oh, I can't imagine his training camp. How so miserable they are like training camps stink. They're just, you dread them as a veteran going in there. I hated them just because I knew I was going to play every game. I knew I was going to get a ton of minutes and they were just going to grind me into the ground. And I, and I, I couldn't, I, I hated camp, hated the testing, hated everything about it. And he is just going to burn these guys to the ground. So he's, he's just making it clear. I'm coming in, I'm changing everything, get ready, because it won't be fun. And that's how Torch rolls. He's out there to make friends.
0: During like training camp and practice or whatever, when they break out into doing some power play drills, for example, or working with specific groups, what are you, what are you and players in, at your level, what are you guys doing in those moments? Are you doing your own thing? At or, my level.
1: That's, that's a nice way to put it. The Schmelz. So usually they'll do PP at one end, PK at the other end. And yeah. I I didn't fall in any – it was so funny when I was with the, with the Rangers. They would do special teams meetings. Everybody would be in the room except for me. Everybody. Because you were either on the penalty kill or the power play or had the potential to be on the penalty kill or the power play. Every D-man would be on the PK because you never know who would get a penalty. All the forwards would be on the you know, PK, PP. I would just sit out in the hallway and hang out with like the, the equipment guys. And then finally they'd open the door and be like, okay, team meeting, everybody in. And it would just be me. <laughs> and I would just walk in. I'm like, oh. and this happened with mostly every team. At first, I was a little like upset about it and I got used to a bit down on myself, <laughs> but then I embraced it. I would come in with my hands raised. We're here. Let's go. Time to start. The rest competing. of the teams arrived. Yeah, the coach would be like, You idiot, just sit down. <laughs> I did it every time. Every day. I'm here. Let's go. Okay, we can start the meeting. But yeah, what what was the question? I can't remember. Well, wasn't that torts? Yeah, but no, I did it for every team. Torch yeah. was a he was a kind of a dick about it, but he's not, you know, there to make friends with anybody at all. And he makes that you know blatantly clear the second you walk in the door. Like he, he is there to be a coach, he wants the best out of you. And if you won't play his way. Gone, done. I don't care how much you make. I'm not going to play you. That's the good stuff about Torts. He doesn't play friends. He has no favorites. He will. He has no qualms of benching a guy making six, seven, eight million dollars. That's it. If if you don't want to play his way, you won't play. And he'll play play the junk out of guys who do play his way. So that's why Ryan Callahan, good player, became a superstar because he played for John Tortorella. Torts played the junk out of him, gave him ample opportunity, and the guy produced. So. Even a Dan Girardi defenseman, good defenseman, Torts made him into a star just because he he worked his tail off and Torts put him in positions because he just did it his way. But then you conversely, you look at other guys who played for Torts and it's like, what happened to him? Marion Gabrick, everyone talks about him. It's like, that guy was a superstar. He goes to New York, didn't put up anywhere near the numbers he put up in Minnesota. It's because he, he had a hard time adapting to that type of coaching style. So it is what it is. All right, what are we talking here? One more thing, Tim, the Twitter poll.
0: Yeah, this wasn't even ours. Uh, I think I think it was Dom from the Athletic who put it up. But he asked uh, Twitter, "Who would you rather have, and who would you rather build your franchise around? Jack Hughes or Mo Sider?" Both drafted the same first round, same year, and something like sixteen thousand people voted, and it was like fifty-two forty-eight in favor of Mo. It was very very close. When I voted, it was fifty-fifty. I did vote for Mo. Who would you vote for there? Who's Jack Hughes? <laughs> Who's Isaac Lindstrom? Lindstrom.
1: No, I, I'm taking a high end. How do you like? I know Jack Hughes is a good player. Very, very rare when you see a most sider, you know, roll through the draft. He, he's a unicorn in the hockey world. Six foot, whatever, and he's a mountain of a man. Oh, he's a mountain of a man. Future captain, right? Oh my goodness. Well, depends on what happened with Larkin. If Larkin goes. Without a doubt, Sider's your captain. He has that personality. He has that it factor. He has that just type of feeling. Even talking to him on the show, it's like this guy, he gets it. Like he, he I, I would go to battle with this guy. But to answer your question, it's Mo Sider, hands down. There's more Jack Hughes in the NHL than there is Mo Siders.
0: It's easy as that. That's fair. That's fair. We were talking before the show, by the way, about the Bills game last night. Big win. Do you think it's too late to to get in on betting on them with the Super Bowl and getting good odds?
1: It's never too late to go a points bet and throw some money on the Buffalo Bills. I know we're a hockey podcast, Tim, but points bet gives you the best odds in the Buffalo Bills there are in the universe. So wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's pretty good odds. Still, I wondered, like thinking about hockey, would you? Who would you bet right now to win the cup if you were going to go on points bet and put some money down?
1: Got in my head probably right now the Leafs. Ooh, what? I think they go out and get a goalie. They have to. I think this is their year. Them or Carolina.
0: Just say that they match up against any of these teams. Just say it's New York Rangers in the first round and they win. Are they cup? Are you going to bet on them to win the cup at that point? Getting over that first round hump. I bet. Well, yeah.
1: Because if I think they're going to win the cup right now, I would probably think that if they win after the first round.
0: Well, yeah. yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, it, are they odds infinitely better getting past, getting out of the first round and all of a sudden.
1: Well, yeah, because there's worse. less teams. So they're okay. closer to the Stanley Cup. Fewer teams if we're going to be snotty about it. Yeah. Good questions, Tim. If Toronto's in the Stanley Cup final, do you think their odds would go up to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup?
0: <laughs> if they win, do you think they'll like be happy about that? Like, do you think they'll, is that what they want?
1: I'm happy that we had a great show I'm happy that we you guys came along with us. So thank you for listening to the show, helping us out here, giving us some support, going to PointsBet, going to DoorDash, and just really being great listeners. You guys are the best. So we appreciate the support. Hope everybody has a good weekend. We'll catch you next time. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.